Hebrews 13, did you find it? All right. We have been talking now for many weeks on the subject of authority, understanding authority. And of course, started with the passage over in Matthew 16, where Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Um, they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say other the prophets. Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And that's the question he started with. They say, you, G, Peter said, rather, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to Peter, replied to him, well, you're blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, uh, for man didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven revealed this to you. And I tell you now that you're Peter and on this rock, I'll build my church and notice that he said the gates of hell, or we could say the forces of hell, or the onslaught of hell will not prevail against it. And then he went on to say, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you shall loose on earth. We could say it this way, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. The point is that if you do what, what Jesus said and follow the whole schedule of events, that the end result is that heaven will back up what you and I will uh, do here on earth. Was Jesus talking to Peter only? No, I don't believe so. If he was talking to Peter only, why did it end up in Scripture? Not just once, but more than once. There's places where he said over in the 18th chapter of Matthew, I believe, he said, you know, talking about uh, if two or three of you gather together in my name, I'm there in your midst and, wh and whatever you shall bind on earth. Well, that's not talking just to Peter. That's talking to two or three of you getting together. And so it's for all of us. And so we, we found out this, that the, that rock that Jesus talked about was Peter's revelation of the lordship of Jesus. Or we could say it this way, the authority of Jesus in his life. And then once Peter had that, Jesus was able to impart to him this other area. And that is, I'll give you keys. Keys represent what? Authority. And keys unlock things and access things that are unlocked to all kinds of other people. And so Jesus, of course, said to him, Peter, in essence, he said, Peter, because you understand authority and my place over you, I'm going to give you a place of authority. We notice this, that there's always two sides of authority. Uh, as we've said before, most people are only interested in the side of everybody else submitting to me and me being in charge. Right. But that will never happen unless you first understand the submission side of authority. And that's the first and foremost side, isn't it? I mean, Jesus didn't talk about keys until Peter knew who he was underneath Jesus. You see in this? Yeah. Amen. So there's two sides to authority. There's the submission side, being under authority. And then there's the side of being in authority. If the church had a revelation of the authority that the church really has on earth, we would scare the daylights out of, uh, out of the world. They'd say, where did they come from? I mean, if for an hour the church walked in its, in its God-given authority, we haven't really even talked about this part of it yet, but if we walked in it for a day, I mean, the whole world would notice. Do we have, how many just, without having taught on it yet, how many believe from what you've seen in Scripture so far that there, the church has authority that it's not yet walked in? Or, or maybe in your life you have some, some rights and some privileges and some keys, if you will, that you haven't ever used. Huh? You ever find a key ring with a bunch of keys on it? You wonder, what's this for? What's this for? What's this for? Oh, man, there's, well, praise the Lord. 
So in order to discuss this thoroughly, and I'm just, I'm just dead set on taking my time to do a good job in this series. Hope you don't mind that. But uh, we began talking about the submission side in detail. And we discussed many things but, uh, so far, but we've discussed what is submission. And we said it's this, it's, it's, it's a placing of oneself under the authority of somebody else. And it involves a bending of your will. How many love to submit? I don't either. But we saw examples in scriptures where because of an understanding of this subject alone, people got tremendous results. And so we, uh, we found out these things about submission that, number one, it's supposed to be in your life, it's supposed to be voluntary. Amen. In other words, it's, when the Bible talks about submission, it's talking about you submitting yourself. Right. We said this, that submission is not easy. Right. It is not easy to bend your will when you want to go one way. Somebody else wants to go another way. Uh, that's not easy. Um, we, we, well, there were four things we said, weren't there? We said that submission involves suffering or can involve suffering. That's not exciting, is it? <laughs> but the, the, the Bible, you know, did Jesus have to submit? Hmm. Jesus wasn't in agreement with the will of the Father all the time because we know one place in the garden where he would have loved it not to have to go the way it was going. And the Bible said that, I mean, he sweat to the point of sweating blood to get himself in submission and to consecrate himself, didn't he? Submission is not easy. Submission can involve suffering, particularly suffering not getting your way. And that's hard for any of us. What was the fourth thing? Anybody know? None of you guys take notes? I have them here somewhere. Sub, that's right. Submission is not agreement. Amen. If you agree, you don't have to submit. You agree. You can go that way. A amen. And then last week, <clears throat> we talked about how we would submit ourselves. And uh, you, you do believe, don't you, that we are to show and express submission. And we said that the, the two of the primary ways are going to be uh, in how you relate, not just talking about submitting to God, but also submitting to people that he's put under you. Who has to do that? Everybody. And the two of the primary ways is, number one, how you defer to people. In other words, you give them place when they're above you. Amen. And that involved a lot of things we can't review now. And then also how you refer to people, how you defer to them, how you give them place, how you talk about them, how you refer to them. Not just about them, but even to them. Is it, is it just a, a colloquial expression to say ma'am and sir? Or could there be some benefits where submission is concerned by using terms like that? I know it sounds old fashioned. But there's a lot that seems to have gone out of style that's still right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Amen. Amen. And or, or, or calling, calling a boss, boss. They may say, well, just call me by my first name. But, but sometimes you need to. It benefits you. Because it helps. Yeah, it helps them know that you know their place. But it helps you, remind you of individuals' place over you. And is that important? Extremely important. There is such blessing associated with submission. Well, I want to go on today. And I know you've just been looking forward to this for weeks. Talking about who to submit to. 
Are you ready? Who is to submit to whom? Um, now, if I was making up this list, I'd put me at the top of it. No, <laughs> I'm not. I got these things from the Bible. You want to hear these things? Amen. These, oh, these are so important. This truth concerning, particularly concerning submission, helped me see why my authority wasn't working. Because my submission wasn't right. Amen. Uh, Jesus has given us authority. Didn't the Bible say, uh, you know, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you? But have people tried to resist without the submission? Yeah, and I was doing that. Amen. When it says submit yourself to God, it can be referring to the people that represent God in your life. Amen. In other words, God's representatives. And that can, that's not just talking about in the spiritual area. That can be in the natural arena, too. Right. The, we, we looked at Romans 13. I want to remind you of it again, that the Bible says in Romans 13 that the authorities that exist, talking in that place about governing authorities, military authorities, those authority, that authority is ordained by God. Yeah. Amen. Well, if God ordained it, he's anointed them. In other words, he's gifted them, graced them to do a job in your life. And it's Advent. Well, are you in Hebrews 13? We haven't read it yet, have we? No. Verse 15. Oh, no, 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 no. Verse 17 says this. Obey your leaders and submit. Who's to do this? We are. We submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them. How come? So that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So you want to make sure that those who are over you have a good time being over you. Right? And that you want to make sure that you don't give them a hard time. Everybody should be listening up today. Let's talk about whom. Who is to submit to whom? If you're taking notes, I, and I suggest that in a lot of these messages you do because if you're anything like me, I, I never seem to get everything out of it the first time. You know, and, and that's why I've, I have a huge collection of tapes and CDs on messages. and I'll go back and listen to them. Certain ones the Lord would lead me to listen to, I don't know, 15, 20 times I've listened to some messages. And I get stuff that last couple times out of them that I didn't see before. But number one, talking about who is to submit to whom, and some of these might surprise you, but here's the first one. The Son and the Spirit submit to the Father. The Son and the Spirit submit to the Father. I'm giving these to you in, in somewhat of an order of God's structure of authority. I'm not saying it's a perfect order, but this would be the top of it. You might want to go to John chapter 8. Did you know that the Son of God and the Spirit of God submit to the Father? You, all of you knew that? Do I, should I skip it then? <laughs> John 8. Many people, particularly where Jesus is concerned, many, and they learn this in church, unfortunately, but many people believe that Jesus, because he was God, always has been, hasn't he? And then there was a time where he became man, but then ever since then, he's always been, right? He's 100% God, 
100% man, 100% of the time. But people believe, and, and, and really most Christians that I've met have uh, settled in them that because Jesus was God, that Jesus went around doing anything he wanted, anytime he wanted. But that's, that's very, very unscriptural. I could see how you'd think that, because if he's God, you know, if you were, you think that if, well, if you were God, uh, you just do whatever you want. <laughs> you know, how many believe, how many, if you were God, you'd heal everybody? How many, if you were God, you'd do away with hell? How many here are glad that the person that I'm talking to isn't God? <laughs> you know, God's got reasons, good ones for what he does. And he's a lot better than most people think. You think, well, if I was God, I'd do this. Don't you know that, that you're not better than him? And he's trying to be even more good? Well, amen. And so can, did Jesus on earth, did Jesus just go around doing anything he wanted, anytime he wanted? Far from it. If you look in John 8, verse 28, Jesus said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man talking about himself then you will know that I am the one I claim to be and notice this now I do nothing on my own but I speak just what the father has taught me Whew. that's eye-opening isn't it Jesus didn't make up his own will he didn't make up his own plans hmm? Jesus didn't start out with a blank day timer and say what do I want to do this week where do I want to go? What did this? He said, the only thing that I do, and we could go to lots of other scriptures we don't have time to, where he, where he said things like, I don't speak anything of myself. I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see him do. Jesus did it to such a degree that the Bible says in, other, in another place that he was an exact representation of the father. See, our, our, our society doesn't like this because it's like, oh, you're robbing me of my individuality. Jesus ended up as an individual, didn't he? Huh? Like one of a kind. <laughs> and so will you if you obey fully. Amen. Amen. Trust me. Following God does not, does not mold you into something that makes you non, a non-individual. Jesus was an expert in submission and obedience. Was it big with Jesus? So big that he said, I don't do anything out of my own idea or out of my own accord. He checked with his father on everything. Amen. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus get fairly decent results? Hmm? And, and, and wouldn't it be safe to say that if you and I concentrated on submission close to the degree that he did, we'd get really, really good results? You know, if you're not getting good results in life, I'll tell you what, be open to change because that's what's going to take. If you do what you've always done, you'll have what you've always had. If you want something you've never had, you're going to have to do something you've never done. I know you like change as much as I do. I understand that. Go over to John 16, though. We said the Son and the Spirit submit to the Father. And Jesus still does submit to the Father. John 16, 
John 16. If you look in verse 13, talking about the Holy Spirit. Verse 12, Jesus said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Boy, I've, I've wanted to use that word a lot. That, that scripture. Do you know what that, the fact that I'm teaching on these things, you ought to take it as a compliment to yourselves. Because I've known these things for some years. They've been some of the most precious truths to me. And uh, it's right now with you that God's given me release to, to minister them. Amen. And so Paul even said to the church at Corinth at one time, I have a lot to say to you, but you can't handle it. But we're talking to you so you can handle it. Amen. Amen. That means you've grown. That means you're, you're in a place where God says, give them this. They're, they're ready for it. You know, uh, the 13th verse says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Aren't you glad? Yes. But notice the next phrase. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he'll tell you what's yet to come. And so we see that the spirit is in submission to both Jesus and the father. Jesus said he'll take of mine and show it to you. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is in submission. There's another place in John 10 where Jesus said the father is greater than all. Now, this picture of submission here in the Godhead, what a great example it is of what we've been teaching. Because how many know that Jesus is not any less God than his Father? And the Holy Spirit, contrary to what some folk may think, he's not the inferior or junior member of the Godhead. He's as much God. He's the Spirit of the Father. But yet there's submission here to where we see the Father's greater Amen. And so, like we've talked about in men, they're equal in person, but not in place. Amen. You can be, and, and you can be, we'll see this. This is why we're teaching on this first when we're talking about who to submit to. When we start talking about other relationships that you have, people are equal in person, but not in rank, not in place. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, I mean, what would happen if Jesus said, you know what? I've just been in the shadow of, of the Father. I need to find my own place. I need to carve out my own niche. I know the Father said, let there be light, but I think I'm going to speak it just a little differently. Put my own touch on it. Could you imagine? What if they... <laughs> You've never known what it's like for there not to be perfect agreement, uh, perfect submission. And therefore, agree in unity in the Godhead. Amen. Second thing, the second thing, who, who is to submit to whom? You can handle at least one more, right? I'll give you two. Number two, every person, every person is to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. I could say it this way, if you'll do what Peter did in confessing Jesus as the Lord of your life and following through, then, boy, that's where you can be confident that you'll have the same access that, Peter, that Jesus gave him. So the Lord is to be, of course, our highest authority and our top priority. He's not for most people. 
I said he's not for most people. You talking about lost people, Pastor? No, I'm talking about believers. True. His instruction, his direction, his correction is to be obeyed and followed completely. And in order to receive the blessings of submission, what are the blessings of submission? You get to partake of all that the authority above you has. Oh, glory to God. Huh? You submit yourself to the Lord, you, you get to partake of everything He's got. But the, for those blessings to come upon you, you have to voluntarily submit. Now, don't you know that one day, the Bible says every knee will bow before Jesus. You, you may be, I don't believe there are any like this sitting here, but you might be sitting here and say, I am an atheist. And I just refuse, I don't believe in God. Well, first of all, you're lying. Huh? You wouldn't get so upset about it if you really didn't believe. Amen. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you just, it's an excuse. But anyhow, uh, you might say, I'm an atheist. That atheist will one day bow before the lordship of Jesus and agree that you are Lord over all. There will be no blessings associated with that kind of submission. The people that say that will be saying that on their way to the lake of fire because they rejected their opportunities to submit on earth. I'm, it's very sad, but it's true. It needs to be said because you know, we tend to forget it. Amen, because we're on our way to glory and, and living in glory on the way. Amen. So the ones who bow willingly while on earth, they'll experience the blessings of submission here and then eternal blessing later. Let me give you a scripture along these lines that's worth looking at. Uh, they're all worth looking at, but Ephesians 1, if you would, please. Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to see some things spoken here that'll, that'll be of good help to you. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm giving you some, a lot of scripture today, endeavoring to feed you, spiritually speaking. Now, if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, says, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be what? Head over everything. For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So you see this term here, head and body. Does it just make good common sense that the body is to submit to the head? I mean, your head can't, gee whiz, how much can your head accomplish without your body's cooperation? Hmm? Can your head get up, get up from here, go get a drink with your body sitting here in the chair? Hmm? You say, I don't know, Pastor, I know Halloween's coming up. And <laughs> no, we don't do that darkness stuff, man. We don't do that. <laughs> no, the head, the church is to submit to Christ as its head the same way your body submits to your head. Amen. I mean, if your head tells your hand to scratch something, What's your hand do immediately? Scratches it. 
There's supposed to be that kind of obedience, isn't there? Right? How quick, how quick does that happen? Your head says scratch, your hand, okay. Huh? What if your head tells your whole body, we need to get up and go to the bathroom, and your elbow says, I'm not going. I'm just not going to go. <laughs> Learn to respond instantly to Christ, your head. Let me give you one more, okay? You handled those pretty well, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to have fun starting right now. The third area of submission that is essential for us is this. And I don't anticipate we'll get, we'll get past this one today. Uh, hopefully we'll get through with this area. Your soul and body are to submit to your spirit. Your soul and your body are to submit to your spirit. I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You remember how I said to you that, uh, you know, you start talking about how Jesus couldn't just do anything he wanted to anytime he wanted to and that you lose a whole lot of the church when you talk about that. You lose more of them when you start talking about this. <laughs> In other words, the church is, is unfortunately very ignorant along these lines. How many just found out about a minute ago that you had a spirit? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, if, you, if you're there. I want you to notice this, and I want you to notice the order it's written in. It says, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole, what? Spirit, what else? Soul, what else? And body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord. You know, our Lord is a, in, in many respects, He's a three-part being. There's the Father, there's the Son, there's the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You and I created in the image of God and in His likeness are also three-part beings. Spirit, soul, and body. Do you know how when most Christians quote this verse, if they do quote the Bible, they, talk, they get it backwards and they say body, soul, and spirit. That's because, that's because you know, here again, most Christians, not trying to, not trying to put people down, but it's just, it's just the truth. Most Christians are more body-oriented or body conscious, if you will, then they are spirit conscious. But really, who's the, what's the main part of you? Spirit. Your spirit is the real you. You might say, I didn't know I had one. You are one. You are one. You are a spirit being. Amen. Do you know the Bible says in John 4 that God is a spirit? He is a spirit. And we're made in His image, in His likeness. Amen. You're a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Your body is really the house you live in. Well, who's the real you? Your spirit. Everybody say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Amen. Your body's the house you live in. It's your earth suit. You can't live on earth without it. But your spirit is the real you. Your spirit will live forever. The real you will, will never die. Amen. Our life as Christians, and, and you understand that I'm giving you these, these reasons here or these things, 
who to submit to. We could take any one of them and preach a month on them. You know, so I can't be as thorough as I'd like, but our lives are to be lived from the inside out, not the outside in. How many are living from the inside out? In other words, what's your base of operation in life? It's supposed to be your spirit. It's supposed to be your inner man. And Jesus didn't, when Jesus would teach, didn't he emphasize, hey, guys, it's not what goes into the man that's the bigger deal. It's what proceeds from within. Amen. And so your inner man's to run the show of your life, your spirit man. When you read in the Bible, it talks about the heart of man. It's talking about his spirit, the innermost being, the real you. And when you're living from the inside out and when your soul and your body is in submission to your spirit, that's what the Bible means when it's talking about over in Galatians, walk in the spirit or live in the spirit. Amen. Some translations say it this way. Live controlled by the Spirit. How many have ever read that? Now, here's where it can get difficult a little bit to understand what the Bible's talking about because there's only one Greek word for spirit. It's, it's the Greek word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma. And that's the word that's used when, it, when the Bible talks about evil spirits, the Holy Spirit, or, you, or the human spirit, the spirit of man. And sometimes, you know, the Bible says it was an evil spirit, right? Sometimes the Bible says the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the spirit of man. But sometimes it just says spirit, doesn't it? Like walk in the spirit. Well, how do you know whether it's talking? Obviously, it's not talking about an evil spirit there. But how do you know whether it's talking about the Holy Spirit or your spirit? And don't say because it's capitalized. That's the translators did that. (laughs) Thinking, thinking that talking about the Holy Spirit. I don't think they always got it right personally in my study. And so you have to determine by the setting. Is he talking about the Holy Spirit or, or, or our spirits? Don't you? And uh, when it talks about being controlled by the Spirit, I think most people believe capital S, Holy Spirit. But I'll just confess to you now that in my couple decades of living with God, trying to walk with Him. I've never lived one day controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not one day. Have you? Huh? You ever had the Spirit of God control you? I never have. I've had Him lead me. I've had Him guide me. I've had Him minister. I've had Him speak to me. And I've experienced exactly what Jesus talked about when he said, I'm going to give you another helper. Oh, man, I've got help from him. But I've never been controlled by him. One reason is he's not a devil. And devils control and try and force and exercise. authority. No, the Holy Spirit is a helper. He didn't say I'd give you another controller that he'd run your life for you. All you have to do is sit back, eat bananas and peaches, and he'll just run everything and you go on vacation. He said he'd help you. And if you do nothing, he'll help you do it. And that's about the help that he's doing for a lot of Christians. Amen. Some Christians he helps a lot. Some Christians he doesn't help very much. And it's not because he's not wanting to. Amen. So when it talks about living controlled by the Spirit, I want you to know that your spirit is to be in control of your life. Now, let's talk about the soul. The soul is made up of 
your mind, your reasoning, your will, your emotions. Are your emotions supposed to control your life? No. Right? <laughs> One of my favorite preachers from years gone by is Smith Wigglesworth. You've heard me talk about him every once in a while. And uh, one day somebody made the mistake. He was, a, he was an Englishman, but he was just very blunt to the point. That's where I get some of that from. And uh, someday, one day an individual asked, made the mistake of asking him a question. Said, hey, how you feeling? And, he, and, the, and the, the story says that he just straightened his shoulders and he looked at him and he said, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell him. Well, what if like a handful of Christians would, would get that? Huh? Pastor, I just feel so defeated. <laughs> how many know you can't be asking your body how it feels? It'll tell you, don't go to church. You need rest. You're sick. You're sick. We're sick today. I'm sick. Can't go. You can't go to work. You're sick. You can't ask your mind how it feels. Well, I, I think, who cares what you think, Head? Huh? That's all you ever do is say, I think, I think, I think. Go take your opinion somewhere else. You can't ask your emotions. How do we feel? Well, today, I feel great. Oh, tomorrow I want to kill myself. I don't know. You can't trust those part of you. Your spirit, the real you is supposed to be in control. Amen. Amen. You know, we have people every once in a while, they'll come to the church. I'm sad to say most of them don't stick around very long. But uh, we, we have some come. And sometimes they're recovering from some major life event. I don't know whether it was a divorce or whether it was, you know, I just got off in drugs or got messed up this way, messed up that way. Pastor, I need help. And I tell them, you come to the right place, right? And I say, you get in every service and you don't miss and you take your notes and, and you hear something that really speaks to you. You get the CD or the tape and you listen to it. And, and I think, because I don't always take time to explain this, I think that what they may think is, okay, well, if I do this penance, hmm, but if I do this penance by attending enough times, huh, then when I get to X number of services, that God will start turning things around. And, and what, what, I, what I need to be more diligent to do is explain to them the reason why I say get in every service. And it's this, I'm endeavoring to get your spirit stronger than your flesh. Amen. And that's the purpose of everything we do and every service we have. Because once your spirit is stronger than your flesh, you have a much better chance of your flesh submitting. Go to Romans 12 if you can. I know I'm taking a little time. We'll, we'll finish this up here and pick it up next week. Romans 12 if you would. Now here again, it's an area where submission is not easy because your soul wants to be in control. And your body, how many of your body wants to be in control? Oh, that was good pie. Let's eat the whole thing. Let's eat it all. Just eat it all. Huh? Now, man, your body, you, your body you'll be out there and your body will say to you, well, look at that. And your mind will say, you're all, your spirit will say, you're already married. And you say, I know, but look at that. Huh? 
Your body will say, let's pursue this. And if your spirit is so weak, say, yeah, but that'll lead to all kinds of things. That'll ruin everything. You lose your family. You lose your job. But your soul and your body will say, I don't care. I want it. It's the nature of your flesh. If you get your spirit strong, your body will say, well, look at that. And your spirit will say, you stop looking at that right now. Amen. And your body will say, okay, yes, sir, yes, sir. Just thought it good. doesn't hurt to look. <laughs> right? Look at all that pie left over. And your spirit will get strong and say, you stay away from that. You already had some. Your body says, okay, do it your way. You wake, up, you wake up with your emotions spinning around. I just don't feel like people love me. Your spirit will say, shut up. God loves you. Amen. People love you. Knock it off. Amen. But most people, I mean, if, if, if you could see their spirit in terms of a human body, they'd be this weak, emaciated. Should we go to church? And their flesh is so strong because that's all that ever gets fed. Their flesh just says, shut up. See what's on TV? We'll watch a service on TV. One of the Christian channels later, crying out loud. And their spirit says, okay, I just thought I'd bring it up. because." What are you supposed to do? Romans 12, are you there? Oh, man. Hallelujah. Can you see how important these things are? I know you're still waiting for me to talk about husbands and wives. I'll get to that. Therefore, I urge you, this is Paul talking now, inspired by the Spirit of God. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your what? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And I want you to notice this. This in the NIV says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Now, here's a huge thought. Is what you do with your body have spiritual ramifications? Uh Uh-huh. And he said, present your body as a living sacrifice. Has anybody ever seen a sacrifice? They tend not to be so living. And so what the Lord wants us to do is just, just back off the death part to where we are still alive. But the Bible says in other places, reckon yourself or consider yourself dead to, to certain things, dead to sin. And so we're to, we're to constantly, how often you to do this? All the time. Let God be the Lord of your body and you present it to him, a living sacrifice. What's that mean? That means that he does with, with it whatever he wants with it. It's on his altar, right? Huh? Come on, Christians. Well, then what else do you have to say? So that's a, how many know that's a good start right there? A living sacrifice. <laughs> but then what else you do? Verse 2 says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. That means to be changed by the renewing of your mind. And so there's your soul. Now, let me ask you, who's in charge of seeing that your body and soul submit? You are. You're the custodian of your life. Amen. Will you look at one more verse? Just one more, I promise you. 
1 Corinthians 9, because it'll, it'll help us finish this point. I know I've kind of given you a full plate today, but you got time to digest it, right? Today, tomorrow, Tuesday, all day Wednesday. <laughs> and we'll see you here Wednesday night. And we'll fill you back up for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 1 Corinthians 9. There's a, there's a tendency, and uh, it's easy to get deceived along these lines, to think, well, I'm doing real well. I don't need to do any of these things. But I want you to see that the Apostle Paul wasn't just preaching to the church. He was, it's something that he did himself. Verse 20, where are you? 1 Corinthians 9? Verse 27, I want you to listen to what Paul does. Paul said, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others I myself will not be disqualified for the prize can your body and your body's actions land you on the junk heap keep you from doing God's will yeah it can it can Paul put his body on a training regimen so that it wouldn't take over can I want to read this to you in the Amplified Bible. Would you listen to it? Paul said this, but like a boxer, I buffet my body. Now, a lot of Christians thought that read buffet my body. It's not talking about the going to the buffet. He said, I buffet my body. Listen, handle it roughly. Here's what he means. Discipline it by hardships and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and the things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. We could say a lot about what we're to do with our bodies, including things like it being ungodly and not right to be three and four hundred pounds. It gets so quiet, you know, you can talk about money. <laughs> you can talk about sex and you can talk about being overweight and you just get up. Huh? Our bodies are the temple of God. You might say, well, my metabolism. Yeah, but that can be controlled so much of the time. And yeah, maybe in a very few instances, there are some hereditary things. But you know, you can even believe for those to turn around and be changed and healed. I mean, he is a healer. But so much of what people inherit is a lifestyle. This is spiritual. I'm not just fussing at you. It's not even healthy to have all those extra pounds. God might want you to do something in your late 70s and you keep borrowing years from the, extra, from the end of your life to, feed all those ex, to make all those extra blood vessels, to make that heart beat all those extra times for all that extra stuff. I'm not telling you something that I don't have to be concerned with. Amen. Come on, pastor's pants get tight too sometimes. <laughs> when your soul and your body are not in submission to your spirit, that's what the Bible means when it says you're living in or walking in the flesh. Amen. Amen. So submission is to be voluntary. Yeah. Talking about you submitting yourself to other people, but it is right to make your flesh submit. It is right to make the devil submit. 
Hallelujah. Has this been okay? You receiving this well? Why don't you stand up today? We're going to stop at this point. Be sure you treat these pearls that we're giving you. I'm calling them pearls because that's what they are. And there's a certain kind of people, a certain kind of creature that's not supposed to get pearls, right? Huh? Swine. Why don't you give pearls to swine? They don't care. They'll get it all muddy, get it all messed up. Put this stuff on the top shelf. Get the nice place in your china cabinet. Put these notes there. <laughs> Amen. Let's just pray and thank God for this truth. We'll be dismissed after that. Father, thank you so much for what you've given to us. Thank you for these truths concerning submission, concerning authority. And Lord, thank you for increasing us in this area. In Jesus' name, amen.